I'm going to go on record saying the way to start a podcast is probably the most difficult part of a podcast. I don't know if that's uh, resonating with any of you podcasters out there who've made one or um, if you're just listening and tuning in and you are thinking of doing a podcast, I will tell you the hardest part is knowing how to start this off. So that's how I've decided to start this one off. Um, I'm enjoying doing these podcasts a lot. In fact, I've put a lot of thought and time and just even like I've asked questions to people that I'm close with or people that I work with on ways that I can be more efficient and better in sharing my message. And so if you have some thoughts, if you, you know, want to send them my way, you are absolutely welcome. I would appreciate it. And as we dig into this topic, which I'm very excited about, I hope that you guys will get a lot out of it. And the one thing I just want to say is I know this title or the podcast, you know, label, I guess, is Mommies in Leadership. And originally that was my goal is to relate to moms who are also in leadership roles. But really, as I have gotten to know my audience a little bit more and just as I've gone through my thoughts, it really has become evident that a lot of the ideas of, you know, just even parenthood in general and leadership in general really relate to each other. So whether you're a grandparent or parent or a soon-to-be parent or maybe you're going through life on this journey without kids, cool, like, uh, I'm just glad that you're listening and So as I kind of share the thoughts that I have planned out, um, stay with me. Our goal in the next 25, 30 minutes is to slow down. It's not easy to do. In fact, um, I think the number one popular answer when the majority of people get asked, how are you? How's it going? Somebody that you're catching up with, somebody that you've ran into, and they ask the question, how are you? How's things going? What what have you been up to? And the most popular answer is good, busy. And then we go into explaining our busy. We say, oh, we're good, just busy. And whether it's busy with life or school or activities or commitments, we, we really just dig into, let me share what's keeping me busy. So I want to talk about how do you slow down? What are some ways that you can help the people around you, whether you're in a leadership role and you're leading people um, through goals and challenges and opportunities, how do you get them to slow down and embrace their position and their role and also just the importance of what they're doing? And then also, how do you do it as a parent? How do you help your children and the people around you in your life just really be able to slow down and embrace life and embrace moments? Those of you who know me, my name's Amy. I'm the mother of two wonderful children, Kingston and Kimber. And I also get to work with about 115 employees at different locations, uh, 14 different locations throughout the Buckle, which is an amazing company to work for. And I've been blessed with the opportunity to travel. And so one of the stories I want to talk to you guys about actually involves me traveling to one of the stores that I work with and really helping guide that manager as she was working through her first year of leading a team and leading a store and leading a business. So um, as you guys are thinking of how do you turn moments into memories, um, keep that in mind as I share this story. 
I think most, I'll, I'll say this and then I'll share it, but most of my memories, like the, the ones that I remember from work were sometimes uncomfortable moments where someone challenged me. They were maybe a moment where somebody asked me to pause or to rethink something or to explain myself further. I've learned in my position that no one around me is going to allow me to be vague or unspecific. Um, I'm really challenged with how do I make sure that whatever great big grand ideas I have, that they're not just that, it's action. It's what's step one? What's step two? How will you do it? Who will you do it with? So Um, I'll protect the innocent, the manager's name, I will leave out of this story, but she is a wonderful person. And to be honest, the reason that I was able to put her in a position to slow down was because as you guys have already heard, someone did that for me. So this manager is working on her sales floor. Those of you who've been into a buckle know that, you know, lots of product, lots of brands, lots of opportunities and ways for us to grow and be better organized and learn about our product. And so I'm watching this manager on this visit and I'm just really observing how many things she's doing. She's helping people shop. She's taking care of phone calls. She's merchandising and multitasking. She was interviewing with me and, and I could just tell like she was go, go, go. And that is a great sign of a leader, somebody who can multitask and move quick and get things done. But what she sometimes was failing to notice is how unproductive the three employees were that were also working with us. They wanted to be productive, but she wasn't really giving them a lot of ways that they could be. She was just taking action. And so we got uh, probably about two and a half hours into the day. And I just kind of asked her, I go, hey, let's step to the back a little further away from the front. And, you know, we had three really great employees that could, you know, take care of anything that would need to come up. But they were in closer to the front of the store working on things. And, and I pulled the manager further back so we could really see everything. And as we were talking and reviewing um, an applicant, someone that we had interviewed earlier that day, uh, a guest, a mom and a daughter walked into our store. And the manager immediately, her right foot moved forward. I I don't know about you guys, but there's this moment where I always think of, and maybe it's a Michael Jordan quote or just a a basketball quote in general, but it says, you know, when the game's on the line, who is going to want the ball? Well, the, the team captain, the leader of the team, the most you know, confident player always wants the ball. And so in true fashion, the manager goes. She, she starts to take a first step. Like she's going to walk probably 35 feet to go say hello to this person and help them out. When there was three people that were much closer that were just a little preoccupied. And what I asked the manager to do is I just said, hey, stay here for a minute. Let's just see what happens. And eventually, one of her leaders, oh, oh, there's somebody that needs something. And one of her leaders walked away from what they were doing in the front and, and went over to the guest. And, and in that moment, I think what my goal was to accomplish with the manager is remember, remember the facts. I I helped the manager as we went to lunch that day and we left the store in good hands. We talked about how many hours are we open. If we're open to the public 54 hours a week and the manager works 45 hours, it seems like, oh, that's only nine hours that the manager's not there. But then when I started asking her, what about interviews? 
What about, are you ever there counting your hours before the gate is open, before we're open to, you know, the public? And of course, there, there are days that she's there working, but we're not open. When we started looking at how many hours she was actually there on her sales floor, it came up to be probably closer to 35 hours of the 54 that we were open which meant that 19 hours of the week, every week, the manager's eyes and hands and feet were not on the floor. She has to trust, develop, and delegate enough parts of her job so that the people around her can do their job at a higher level. The one really cool part of this story is every time, you know, the manager would go, I just always would challenge her, have you equipped the people around you to go before you? Or do they always expect you to go before them? Sometimes without that, without meaning to, our intention is always very pure, but sometimes what can happen is the people around us start to almost feel like, well, gosh, maybe I'm not supposed to beat the manager. Maybe I'm not supposed to go and do that activity. Maybe I'm not supposed to come up with solutions for this you know, problem because the manager's doing it. It's a really fun lesson. And so he, here's what I want to share with you guys as we transition back into being a mother and parenthood. And, and, and I'll just say a couple things. The first thing is I've rarely created a memory or had a special moment while holding my phone. I know that one hits me in a weird spot too. But the one thing that I think is, is cool is of course that, you know, funny meme that you're looking at or, you know, the, the posts on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, you know, app you like to go to. Although that may be a, a fun distraction, I don't remember memes from five or six years ago. In fact, rarely, you know, can I remember anything not related to my actual life that was generated from just a movie or a phone, you know, or some an app on my phone. A lot of times those are things that if they ever, I ever find that they're getting in the way of me creating real moments and real memories, I try to put it down. And I don't always... I don't always win that, you know, argument. I don't always succeed in that accomplishment. But I do want to just say it because, of course, you guys know that. Um, Here's the, if I was going to summarize, you know, what do we want to talk about on here? I, I have three bullet points. And I don't know if anybody will take notes or notes are required for this. This is more fun and self reflective. But I think there's really three different ways that most of our moments can turn to memories or that most of those moments can be slowed down. The first one is if you have a memory that is tied to an extreme emotion, could be joy, love, fear, embarrassment. Um, It's funny how you remember your most embarrassing moment. I'll tell you one of mine, uh, just for the sake of how vividly you remember things. And I'll, I'll tell you, I was in, um, it was actually in sixth grade. I played the flute. I was not good at playing the flute, but I played two years. Go mom made me play. Anyway, those of you who might know a little bit about instruments or the flute know that it comes in it before you put it together to play it. 
It actually comes in three different pieces that then you put together, but those three pieces are individually like in a case and then there's like a really long metal piece that you use to clean it. So really four pieces inside of a a case that um, you would carry. And so I'm carrying my flute case into school and one in most schools are still like this. I don't know if you guys remember this about your your middle schools or high schools, but you can't actually just roam the hallways if you get there early. You have to go to like a designated spot and like wait until a bell rings or until a teacher's like, okay, like it's officially 8.04. You can now run upstairs or go to your classes. So that's what happened to me. I was dropped off early. It was about a few minutes before and I kind of thought, well, maybe I can linger in the hallway because um, in my old middle school, um, Dayton Christian Middle School, you actually had to go down probably a flight of 20 to 25 stairs. And these were like huge stairs. Like this was like an old school, like very old building. Those of you, if there's anybody listening, you remember these stairs down to the cafeteria. It was not an easy haul. And so, you know, I've got my lunchbox, my backpack, and my flute case. And some of you are like, I know exactly where this story's going. So I, I you know, kind of am ta- taking my time, walking slow, and a teacher's like, hey, get down to the cafeteria. It's not time for you to be up here yet. So I start my walk. I get to almost the second stair down this huge flight. And remember, like I can hear the noise. There's probably 40 or 50 kids already down in the cafeteria waiting to like be dismissed to go up the flights of stairs to go to their classes. And so I am walking down and for some reason, my I got kind of like, I don't know whether it was just like I hit my bag at a weird angle, but the flute case hit my bag And almost exactly as the bell was ringing and kids started to come out of the cafeteria and start to come up the 20 stairs, it happened all at once in slow motion. My flute case flies open and all four pieces of my flute start falling down the stairs. And these are not carpeted stairs. They are... I'm going to make a noise every time a corner or a side of a part of your flute hits the ground. It is going to cling and clang and echo. And now there's 40 kids starting to walk up the stairs and there goes my flute. There goes my four pieces. And I'm standing now two to three steps down, looking down the stairs, watching my flute pieces disappear in the... um, legs and feet of my peers and my other fellow students. And I remember kids laughing and like, hey, good luck finding those pieces. And I'm now fighting my way down the stairs in between the other kids to try to recover these pieces. And I'm thinking of how disappointed my mother would be because I think we paid, I don't even, I don't know. It was, it always felt like a lot of money when I, as you're, as a kid, you're like, oh my gosh, this was $250. Like, and that is, that's like a lot of money, especially to watch it fall down a flight of stairs. So that's my first bullet point. What is a memory that you have that's tied to an extreme emotion? Number two, I think this one is where I'm going to have probably the most thoughts for you guys. I hope you like it. So a memory that you might have in your life is usually one that's been talked about a lot. Maybe it wasn't even a memory that you had 
like really vividly remembered, but everybody in your family always brings it up. They remind you of it. They laugh about it. They describe it. You know that like it probably will be every other Christmas or every other family event. Like there's a strong possibility of this memory getting brought up. Maybe there's even like a video of it, but it's something where people just, they aren't going to let it go away. Like there was such a memory to so many people that it deserves to be talked about and brought up and um, reminded of. Um, a couple of things that I think when I am thinking of how do you help people slow down and remember, this one's kind of really our our opportunity as parents of how do you help kids slow down. So I'm going to give you guys a couple ideas of ways that I do it. Um, one is I love to walk my kids through their week. And you can call this like the reminisce tip or you can call it like um, how do you make sure that uh, really just even you're sharpening your memory skills. And so one thing that I try to do maybe once a week, once every two weeks is I'll just say, okay, let's go back 24 hours right now, two o'clock on Friday. What were you doing? And you take people back and you, you know, okay, take yourself back a week ago today. So Friday, a week ago, four o'clock, what were you doing? Where were you? What do you, what do you remember having on? You know, what outfit did you wear? And it's a fun, reflective tool. It challenges your mind and your memory. It also helps you maybe go back and laugh at a moment or relive something that was going on. Or maybe it was not a good feeling, but it's think of how far you've come from 24 hours ago. Or um, I know Janae, my co-manager and I, we were in the store merchandising the other day and we started talking about, we ran a, a 10 mile race in November last year. And we started laughing because, oh my goodness, like we were training, you know, more diligently than ever this time a year ago. And we laughed because I'm like, oh my goodness, if I had to run 10 miles, you know, in a month and a half from now, I think I would be struggling, but it it does. It helps you go back and remember and relive. Another really cool way I think to help people around you slow down and have a memory kind of moment with you would really just be to help them think about all the things that they've accomplished in a certain time period. Meaning, if you say, take me back to your goals that you started with at the beginning of the year. Take me back to um, something that you thought you would never accomplish. And now you have it. Maybe it's a certain amount of money that you're now making. Maybe it's a a car that you never thought you'd be able to afford or drive or own. Maybe it's a weight loss goal. Whatever it might be, but help people around you celebrate their successes with the time that they've also been growing. Sometimes we're so easy to like remember maybe some negative things that have happened, especially this year. I mean, poor 2020 getting beat up with, you know, all the rough things that have happened, but is there anything great? I think about Amanda Dysert gave birth to a beautiful baby girl this year, one that she have, has prayed for and waited for. I think of you know people who've graduated college that are, are now in the workforce when maybe six months ago they didn't know how they were going to be able to finish school. So all of those really cool things. Um, but I also just, one of the activities that I think is really special, maybe you guys do this and I'll share mine. I'm not going to sing it, but I remember advice that I got from, um, I think it was my mother or maybe a friend, but when Kingston was really little, 
he had a hard time sleeping. He, I don't know if I'll ever get to pay him back for the many nights of sleepless, uh, you know, walking and praying and talking and singing. But um, I had a couple of friends that knew I was really struggling. Um, Four or five months in, I'm back at work and he just was, he was not giving me a break. And my husband, of course, was very helpful, but I love to be able to get up because I also loved to nurse. And that was a a commitment that I had made is I wanted to be able to nurse Kingston through at least the first 12 months of life. And if any of you are doing that now, or that is a goal that you have, it is not an easy goal. Of all the things that I have wanted to to set out to accomplish in my life, um, you know, breastfeeding was definitely one of the the tougher ones, and and I won't go into a ton of detail. But here's what I do want to say: the advice was when you're up late at night, and it's not going very well. He's excited or or groggy, or he's grumpy, or he's just fussy, or crying, or sing to yourself the lyrics of the song "You're Gonna Miss This," and I did. I started to. And the first night I remember I caught a glimpse of my reflection in a mirror as I'm very poorly singing the lyrics to the song. And I'm sorry, I can't even, for whatever reason, my brain is uh, not giving me the, the, um, not author, help me out. This is where I need like a real audience, but the artist of the song to probably like give him credit for the words. But those of you who know it, say, you're going to miss this. You're going to want this back. And you're going to wish these days hadn't gone by so fast. And I remember looking in the mirror and my hair was crazy and my eyes were tired and Kingston was squirming around as I'm trying to calm him. And and I started doing that. I started singing that song and I started learning the words to every verse. And every night I think I got a little bit better. And and I remember thinking, you, you will miss this. Slow down. Embrace it. As his little head is pressed against my chest and as his little hand is curled up in mine. And I uh, had Kingston step on a scale the other night and he was so proud of his 82 pounds. And I thought, we started at seven. We started at seven. It was even. Seven pounds even. And now he's 82. And where does time go? All right. I'm going to keep going, but I have one more thing. And I'm going to, I'm actually going to read this because I think it's pretty cool. And I have it up in, in our office in Lima. Actually, I have it outside the office in Lima now because I, I have it near the lockers for our team. But I probably read this once um, every month to myself. Sometimes I've grabbed it off the door and uh, read it to one of my managers, but I'm going to read it to you guys. And it's a good slow down reminder. It it can be related to people, kids, leadership, being a parent, anything you really want. But I want you guys to hear the words and and just think about you. Think about um, maybe a person in your life that you want to send this to or give it to. It's a great reminder of life and the importance of you in it. So I'm going to read it. There are generations yet unborn whose very lives will be shifted and shaped by the moves you make and the actions you take today and tomorrow and the next day and the next. Every single thing you do matters. 
You have been created as one of a kind. On planet Earth, there has never been, nor there will never be one like you ever again. Your spirit, your thoughts, your feelings, your ability to reason and act all exist in no one else. The rarities that make you special are no mere accident or quirk or fate. You have been created in order that you might make a difference. You have within you the power to change the world. Know that your actions cannot be hoarded, saved for later, or used selectively. By your hand, millions, billions of lives will be altered, caught up in a chain of events begun by you this day. This one's my favorite line. The very beating of your heart has meaning and purpose. Your actions have value far greater than silver or gold. Your life and what you do with it today matters forever. It's powerful, isn't it? Um, I had an MT send me that probably eight years ago, and it was from a book. It, the book wasn't um, included in the email, but I, I loved it so much that I've I've now carried it with me in my wallet. I've had it in two different offices. In fact, if you would see the piece of paper, I had Janae send me a picture of it. So I had it in my phone. Um, it's rough. In fact, it has a couple names, probably even some names of people listening to this podcast that I've written on the piece of paper before when I've thought about you. Here's something kind of cool. And, and it's the last activity, I guess I'll say, if you're helping somebody to slow down around you. Don't be afraid to whip out your camera roll and just scroll through it with your kids. You might have to delete a meme or two, <laughs> but go through it. Go back as far as you want. I, I know on Facebook, sometimes it'll pop up as a time hop or whatever it is where it reminds you of a moment that you've had years or years ago, or um, I don't know, whenever years are popping up, mine are usually multiple years ago. And whether it's one with, you know, Kingston and his sword on the island dancing around or pretending to hide like he was Robin Hood, any of those moments when they pop up, I'm always careful to not want to share them with my kids. And I did a few weeks ago and just said, Hey, like, look how little you are. Look how cute you are, Kingston. And before I knew it, it was Kimber on one side and Kingston on another. And we sat on the couch looking through memories together. I I think it's funny that we have to, maybe that I'm including that. Some of you might be like, well, of course, like we look at pictures all the time, but if you're like me, you have your pictures on your phone, but I haven't been that diligent with printing pictures lately. And I remember being a kid and we'd drive to Kmart or Walmart, wherever. And my mom would, I remember picking up rolls of film, you know, that, that would, had been developed. And I remember when we drop them off and I'm thinking, oh man, two whole weeks before we can pick these back up. I know I sound so old um, saying that. It's crazy how quickly now we get things. And maybe that's why we need to slow down more because how, 
how fast is our life? Like how quickly can we snap our fingers? I mean, Amazon Prime, for goodness sake, like they must have the human species figured out because we do not like to wait for things. And if I can get it by tomorrow at three o'clock, like how many people are in? And But I remember picking up the pictures from camping trips and picking up pictures from church camp with my mom and Oh, we just couldn't wait to open up the packets and flip through them because you didn't get to preview your pictures before you took took them to Kmart. You didn't get to make sure you were in the right filtered edit edited picture before it got posted. Like it was just printed and you hoped they weren't blurry and you hoped the colors were okay, but what a great way to slow down and to make a memory. So, I'm going to share a story with you guys before I hit my last bullet point and those of you who know, um, follow me on social media, maybe you know this already, but we went to Ohio Caverns last weekend and had just a fantastic time. It was only an hour tour and got to see the caverns and the uh, stalagmites and stalactites and columns and all of this, all of these, you know, minerals that have collected over the years to create really just beautiful um, designs and colors and Kingston and Kimber and um, Stefan and I were walking through and, you know, it's dark, but different parts of the caverns inside are lit up and beautiful. And I kind of had this idea. And, and if you guys are, if you're thinking of this and you're like, well, things like that don't pop into my head that often. Um, they didn't used to for me either. In fact, I've had to train my brain a little bit by doing some of the things that I'm sharing of, hey, right now, how do you want to remember this moment? How do you want to make this special for you and the kids? And so I had this idea. And before I tell you what it is, I'm going to give you a backstory. In February of last year, this year, I guess, um, Kingston's teacher emailed my husband and I and said that he was having a little bit of trouble seeing. He had to walk up to the board and Uh, was constantly asking the teacher to like repeat things, even though they were like written down, Um, but it was maybe on a whiteboard or um, further away. And so she just shared that with us, that he was having a hard time being able to to see things. And so we set up an appointment for him to get his eyes checked. And and we shared that with him of, hey, we're going to make an eye appointment and see if we need to, you know, get you glasses or figure out a way for you to make sure that you're seeing things properly. And at the time he was in second grade. And of course, that's the end of the world. I mean, to be different, like from other kids to have to know that, oh man, like, I I don't know if I want to go through this. Like, can my eyes just be okay? Like, and so he was a little nervous about it. And as we went to the appointment, um, it was confirmed that his eyes, he was not able to see far away. So he needed to get glasses. And of course, we let him pick out the style of the frame he wanted. And being a buckle manager, of course, you know, I made sure he saw the Oakley lenses and he, or the Oakley frames. And of course, that's the one we went with because, you know, why not have cool pair of Oakleys? And, and, but it was, it was a difficult decision for him to, you know, really just even think of his life differently. Every single day of his life up until this point, he has not had to put anything on his face unless he wanted to. And so we're in the caverns and he has his glasses on. And as the tour guide stops, you know, speaking and is like, okay, we're going to move out of this room. And um, there was four rooms that we went into. And the one that we were standing in at the time was called the big room. 
And it literally is almost like what you would expect, like palace, like lights and colors and kind of that feel. That's what they had named it after was almost like a ballroom type feel. And I leaned down to his level and I just said, Kingston, take off your glasses and look around. And he did. And then I said, now put them back on and look around one more time before we go to the next room. And he did. And in that moment, I think what I was hoping to accomplish was how do I make sure that he appreciates his eyes and he appreciates, even though the glasses are a little inconvenient and even though with the mask, it sometimes means the glasses fog up in school. And even though he's the first of a lot of his friends who will probably need contacts or glasses in life, it's a blessing. And what a cool moment of remembering, hey, you were seeing the world blurry before this. You would have come to the caverns and thought they were really cool. But look at what you get to see now because you have your glasses. Okay, here's the last little note. I think ways that memories are created um, really in the third final thing that I'll share is if somebody planned for you to have a memory, maybe somebody, they, they planned out a birthday party or a surprise or a proposal or a, an event or a dinner, they've planned something for you, whether it was a, a, an event that maybe you were expecting there to be something, but they made it special. They went out of their way to create something that was going to be memorable for you for the rest of your life. And I think we get to do this as parents a lot. Um, maybe you do it in small ways through the ways that you, you know, if you, it, I know there's um, <laughs> different ways that you can make the holidays special and help help kids slow down and those traditions that you embrace as a family or as a person. I think in leadership, a lot of times the way that we help our, our, our teammates or our leaders or other people in our lives that, we're, um, that are looking up to us, the way that we really help them slow down is to help remember their why. What are you working towards? Why are you working towards it? Has your why changed? I know as a parent, I, I remember early on in my career thinking, my kids can either be my excuse or they can be my reason. They can either be the reason I'm tired or the reason I'm working hard. They can either be the reason or the excuse of why I'm late or the reason why I have an opportunity to get up a little earlier and to do my job a little bit better. And and I, I like that logic because it's helped shape a lot of you know how I teach and how I lead, I hope. Um, but I also think that as you're going through your maybe life or you're, you've been thinking a lot throughout this podcast of your memories, one really good activity to do, and you can do it with your yourself, you can do it with people, um, you know, friends, whoever, but it's really just a write down what are three pivotal moments in your life that have shaped you. And, and it's funny because as you go through life, those three pivotal moments, you know, if you would ask a 10-year-old what their three pivotal moments are, and then you would think, okay, that same person when they're 25, would they have the same three pivotal moments that they had earlier in life? Probably not. And it's fun to kind of always think of how, is, how have your decisions shaped? So here's what's really funny. In the middle of my podcast, my brother called. 
And my brother is an amazing man. And I immediately did not answer because I was in the middle of a podcast. And guess what? It cut me off. And I thought of, I'm doing a podcast about creating memories and moments. And I'm going to ignore my brother's call. That's not right. So as the end of my podcast has arrived... I want to just tell you guys, because I called him back and we spent 15, 20 minutes talking and it's, it's sometimes easier to be alone. It's sometimes easier to be on your own or, you know, don't text that person back. Don't call, you know, that person that, you know, it's hard to get off the phone with, or maybe finding moments in, in your own home to just find peace and find quiet. And so you're doing those things. Maybe sometimes at the sake of the human interaction that sometimes can overwhelm myself and and maybe you. And that's where I think a great memory starts. A great moment starts with just make a decision to have one. Make a decision to engage or be with someone that maybe you haven't in a while. Or maybe with your kids, if, if it's been a few hours and you think, okay, if they got interviewed right now, by a grandparent or a teacher of, hey, how is your parent, how is your mom or dad, how have they invested in you? How would I look? How would I sound? How how am I doing? And so as you think about the the way that you lead your family, the way that you lead in a in a position that you're in at work, here's the last three things. When you are reviewing yourself for the day, think of did you help make people more marketable? And I think we do that at home and hopefully at work. Make people more marketable. Make people more attractive to other companies and other um, places of business. Add value, number two. So make people around you more marketable. Number two, add value to the people in your life. How do you do that? Sometimes it's through moments and memories. Sometimes it's through compliments, coaching, reminding And the last one, if you're thinking about, okay, how am I doing today? Have I made people more marketable? Have I added value? And my favorite, help make people around you more self-sufficient. Yesterday um, morning, my son packed his lunch and his sister's lunch, and I even got coached by him. When I said, good for you, buddy, like, that's amazing. You packed your own lunch. You packed your sister's lunch. And I said, where did you choose to put the lunches after you packed them? Because it was about an hour before we were going to leave for school. And I thought they probably shouldn't be in the backpacks already. And he goes, mom, of course, I put them back in the fridge. And then he added, and I decided instead of chips today, I would put grapes. Just because, you know, mom, it is healthier. I hope each one of you have enjoyed the podcast. Have a wonderful day. Good luck creating those memories with the people that you love. And uh, thank you for your time and feedback.